All right, well, we are excited for what we're going to talk about here. I'm excited, not we excited, I'm excited. All right, about what we're going to talk about here today. Because those who weren't here last week, we started a new series called The Ultimate Conversation. And you would say we're talking about prayer, but I'm not saying we're talking about prayer because I define prayer not as prayer. Prayer equals conversating with God. And I had many English majors come and talk to me, and I know the word conversating isn't a real word, but I like it, all right? And I'm the one with the microphone on my head, so you're going to have to hear conversating for the rest of the day. Because my point in stressing that word is I want to get out of the mindset of prayer equals or prayer equals, or prayer equals, okay? I want to get out of that mindset, and I want to put in your mind that prayer, especially if we're going to fulfill the commandment to pray without ceasing, prayer equals conversating with God. And we saw last week that even the simplest acts can be seen as prayer. How did King David pray? Remember we said last week? What was one of King David's ways of prayer? He talked, he sang, he music. Well, what else did he do? Sigh. Okay, or groaning. He said, oh Lord, hear my sigh. And we agree that even a sigh can be a form of prayer because a sigh communicates and it's in, in, information or feelings or whatever. And I gave you the example of my wife. I come home and she says, ugh. Okay, that communicates something. Or I come home and she says, ugh. Okay, that communicates something different. A sigh communicates. And the same way, our point, point of prayer is to communicate to God, to conversate with God. Only thing that matters, like we said last week, Last week I talked about the different ways that we can pray and I said it doesn't really matter as long as, I said four qualities of the prayer. We said we're going to pray with honesty, okay, or sincerity. We said at the deepest level, the gut level, we're not doing it for show. It's honest. It has to be like about anything that's on our mind. We can pray about all matters, all things that matter to us. We talked about we try to pray continually without ceasing, not just, you know, on Sundays or on Saturdays. We pray without ceasing. And then we said... That another essential part of real prayer conversation is listening, is giving and taking. All right, we talked about that last week. Lots of people came to me and said, well, what about, um, you know, like the structured prayer and then and, and the times of prayer and things like that. I was intentionally being unstructured, okay? Next week we'll talk about structured prayer, but I want to push that till the very, very, very end because it's not that unstructured prayer doesn't have a place. But it's that we sometimes limit ourselves in prayer to only structure times. And I'm intentionally trying to make your mind think about other forms of prayer. Prayer is, as I said last week, is a conversation. With who? With the great I am. That's what prayer is. It's conversating. It's an invitation to come. Remember I told you I had that when I was out in L.A. and I met with the, my, my idol out there. Okay, Conversate. Prayer is an invitation to have dinner with the one who holds everything in the palm of his hands. Has every answer to every problem, has every strength, every wisdom, every patience, everything that you could possibly need in life. Prayer is an opportunity, invitation to come and let's conversate a little bit. That's why it's the ultimate conversation. But today we're going to talk about a part of prayer that may not be everyone's favorite part, but it is a very real part. We're going to talk about unanswered prayer. One of the most confusing subjects in life is unanswered prayer. Oftentimes I meet people who don't know, at least they say they don't know God. Atheists, far away from God, hate God. And I'm telling you, what I discovered in life, nine out of ten times, you're talking to someone who says, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. 
nine out of ten times as you listen don't don't jump to judge that person or argue with that person or discuss theology with that person you're wasting your time you start listening to that person, you start going deeper and deeper and deeper, and you're, what you're going to discover is you're going to go back to a point in time where that person prayed and believed and got let down. And how can I believe in a God who, and then you fill in the blank, how can I believe in a God who I prayed, I fasted, and my mom still died? How can I believe in a God who all I did was pray for my marriage and then he walked out on me? How can I believe in a God who I pray, I give, I fast, I read the Bible, I do everything, 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 and he doesn't answer my prayer. I don't believe in that kind of a God. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. I remember <clears throat> back when I, uh, when I first started to get close to God, my spiritual journey, my real spiritual journey, I should say, it came, I had started to, to get close to God, all right, and I started to, you know, pursue my relationship with God and start to invest in it. And, you know, especially when you're at the beginning of your spiritual life, prayer, you believe, moves mountains, all right? And I had, like, gone and served in Africa and missionary, and we prayed, and, like, everything we prayed for seemed like God did. Everything we prayed for. I remember writing in my journal, like, yeah, bring the water. I can walk on it. Like, let's, like, bring it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm ready, and I'm praying, and I'm, it's, like, the best. And then there's a situation that presented itself in my life where it required prayer. And it was something that was kind of personal and something that was kind of, you know, like a tough situation. But I believed with all my heart God was going to solve it. I believed. And I prayed. And I was praying like I was a champ when it came to prayer. Now I told you all last week that I'm not good at prayer now. Back then, I was a stud. Okay, I was better than all of you. I, back then, I was really, really good. I'll be honest. All right, I call it like I see it. Back then, I prayed. Like I remember I was in college. All right, and when I was in college, I used to get up early college hour, 10 a.m., okay, <laughs> early for college, before my 11 o'clock class, and I would pray. I come home from class at lunchtime and I would pray. And then I would go do afternoon stuff and come back in the evening and pray. And before I went to bed, I would pray. And even sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night to pray. I was Mr. Prayer Guy. If there's any prayer that's going to get answered, it's this one. And I wasn't praying for like something for myself. I was praying for a situation that was painful and causing harm to stuff and people. And I was praying and I was sure God was going to answer my prayer. But God didn't answer my prayer. And in fact, it seemed like the more I prayed, the worse it got. So I prayed more. So worse God. So I prayed more. Worse God. Why is that? You got an answer? You better come up with an answer. Because if you don't, you're going to be in trouble. Because I guarantee you that situation is going to happen to you in life. And if you don't have an answer to, how come God didn't answer that prayer? You're going to get yourself messed up. And the devil's going to put doubts in your head. And you don't know where he's going to lead that to. Denied prayer is one of the most confusing subjects we deal with in Christianity. And it's also one of the oldest. If you go back to the beginning of the Bible, the very first book, like chronologically, was the book of Job. And what did Job say? In Job chapter 30, verse 20, it says, I cry out to you, but you do not answer me. I cry out to you, but you do not answer me. King David said in Psalm 22, too, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. This is our question for today. Why God doesn't hear our prayers? Why God doesn't answer our prayers? I understand why God doesn't answer other people's prayers. The bad people. Okay? Well, I'm talking about the bad people. I'm talking about me. The good people. The church people. The fasting and praying people. The believing in God people. Why God doesn't answer our prayers. They're not selfish. 
I'm not saying give me money so I can build a, a, a mansion. Why God doesn't answer our prayers. If you don't figure this out, I promise you there's going to come a point in time where the devil is going to use this to take you far away from God and make you doubt him and all that you know to be true about him. So our question for today, how does this prayer thing work? What's the magic button? What's the secret words to get your prayers answered? How do you solve this mystery of prayer? Is it like some people get answers and some people don't? Or is there like a, a magic button that you got to know how to push? Or is there like a, a secret page in the Bible that if you say these words backwards, all right, or forwards or something like that, what's the secret to prayer? How does prayer work? Prayer for many of us is this mystery of like it's this, like a room over there called prayer. It's all dark, all right, and some people walk in, they walk out with stuff. Other people just walk in and bump their head. But you just have to walk in there because it's, it's, it's the Bible says it. How does prayer work? What's it supposed to look like? Last week, I showed you all a, a clip from Meet the Parents, all right, about prayer. One of the best clips of all time. There's another clip from a show, but I couldn't find it online. It was an episode of The Simpsons, okay? But I couldn't find this clip, and I looked online for it. It's just like a five-second clip. It was an episode, it was old school, where, where um, it was the one where Homer decided he didn't want to go to church anymore, all right? And he sent the wife and the kids off. All right, he stayed at home, and he watched TV, and he had a great day, and they had a miserable day at church. Okay? Obviously, it's a cartoon. It's not real. It doesn't really work like that. So they're at church, and a snowstorm. And it's like ice and stuff like that. And as soon as the service, they like, don't have heat inside, and it's freezing. They're all shivering, and the pastor takes forever. And as soon as it finishes, they go to leave, and someone says, oh, no, the doors are frozen shut. So they're all locked inside. So it's like pandemonium and chaos, and Lisa, the daughter, gets on her knees and goes, like this, and then Bart goes to her, Lisa, this is neither the time nor the place for that. <laughs> but it's true. That's how we look at prayer. Like, okay, when things are okay, okay, just do your prayers, get it out of the way. Okay, but now we have, like, we're busy now. Now there's a situation. Like, get rid of that prayer stuff. Okay, put it, like, put it on the shelf for later. Like, leave that alone for right now. Here's our key truth. For today our key truth is that God wants to answer prayer God wants to answer prayer verse I showed y'all last week which I forgot to tell you which I decided is our memory verse for this series is Jeremiah 33 3 and it's easy because Jeremiah and then many threes Jeremiah 333 to Jeremiah and then three threes it's easy and it's a good one Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me. Let's say it together. All right, read it with me. Call to me, and I will sh answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. How beautiful a verse is that? Verse is telling us, and this verse is just reiterating what the Bible says from cover to cover. God wants to answer prayers. God wants you to ask, and then you receive, and he gives you. He wants you to knock, and he opens. He wants you to seek, and he wants to let you see it. So many verses in the Bible that say, ask, and I'll give it to you. And I love to answer prayers. God desires to answer your prayers. I'm not saying you always get what you want, but what I'm saying, God desires to answer your prayers. And you must be convinced of that. It's not false advertising. And what we're going to see today is that some, I'm not saying he always does answer your prayers. Well, he always does answer prayers. But sometimes the answer is no. So he always answers. I'm not saying he doesn't He always answers. But when this verse is talking about answer, talking about answering with a yes. All right? And I'm saying God desires to answer with a yes. 
God desires to give his children. God, like as parents, we have children, not because we want to, to deprive them of stuff, but because we want to give them stuff. That's our desire. But we have to help him out in the process. And what I want to talk about here today is some factors that affect God's answering of your prayer. I'm talking about five factors that matter when it comes to prayer. Now, I'm going to say it at the beginning and I'm going to say it after every one of these. I'm not saying that any one of these factors in and of themselves is the magic key. And this, and that solves all your prayer problems. I'm not saying it like that. Because prayer is a mystery. And I can't tell you A, B, C, and D. And that's all you need to know about prayer. But I will tell you, according to the Bible, the Bible says there are certain factors that if you understand these and you walk this way, that will contribute to you getting yeses in your prayer. And if you walk this way, that will probably lead to noes in your prayer. Five factors, five things that matter to God. First, your relationships matter. Your relationships matter. How are you in your relationships? Are you a forgiving person? Are you a kind person? You hold grudges? You're judgmental? You're angry? You lose your cool? Those things matter. Those things matter. And the way you are in your relationships will affect your ability to get answered prayers from God. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, whatever you things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Great verse. You ask, believe, and you got it. But then there's a follow-up verse to that. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. God says, answer prayer is connected to your relationship with one another. Why? You ever think about that? Why? Who cares? What difference does it make if I forgive you or I don't forgive you? What? 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 Like, God is saying, I have this much forgiveness. Infinite. And I'm asking you to give a little bit to that guy. And if you don't, I'm not going to give you any of mine. Why? Why God does that? I got two kids. Kids, my kids, unfortunately, develop this habit that they like to play on their mother's iPad. They never play on their daddy's iPad because their daddy doesn't give them that. But their mommy is a lot more flexible with their iPad. Now, if you've never seen kids on iPads, iPads are to kids what crack cocaine is okay, to homeless people. <laughs> iPads turn kids, normal kids, good behaving kids, into crack cocaine addicts. That's how they behave when they want their iPads. We made rules. Can't just play iPad anytime you want, especially now the school. All right, none of that stuff during the week. All right, and on weekends, okay, but you got to do your chores, clean your room, eat, okay. You got to do all these things, all right, and then you get to play, and we take turns. One play, then the other play. Well, one day, kids were playing down in the basement, whatever they were playing, and they got into a fight, all right. Fight broke out for whatever reason, and this and that, and this is mean to that, and that's mean to that, all right. Each of you go to your rooms. Okay, one says, okay, can I have the iPad? <laughs> no, but I did my chores. I ate, and it's my turn. Okay, that's fantastic. But loving one another trumps obedience to all chores. Loving one another trumps obedience to, to duties. So I don't care if you've done all your duties. If you are not loving one another, you will sit in your room, you will have no rewards, no iPad, no nothing. 
God is the same way. I'm telling you. You not having a connection with God, check your relationships first. Especially if you are married. Especially if you're married. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 calls out the gentlemen on this one, the husbands. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, meaning your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Look, it says it to husbands, but it means it to all. You can't just be a jerk all day and then come and say, please, God, bless me. Can't be a jerk to your wife and then come and say, please, God, bless my career. All right? Wives, no elbowing. Okay, stop elbowing your husbands. Okay? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It's the equivalent of you seeing my kid right here, pushing him to the floor, and come say, Father Anthony, can you please bless me? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. If we want God to answer our prayers, relationships matter to God. That's number one. Number two, your motives matter. Your motives matter. Why you're praying. Deep inside motives. Not words that you say, but stuff that's inside you as to why you really pray. Your motives matter. James chapter 4, verse 3 says, You ask and do not receive, because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Jesus often spoke about the prayers of the Pharisees as to what not to do when you pray. Because the Pharisees said the best words, but what was their motive? To be seen by others, to be hailed by others. So they get a little crown on their head that says, you are the best. And they could tattoo it on their forehead saying, they walk in a room and say, oh wow, here's the spiritual people. And they did all the right things, but their motives were bad. So the motive negates the action. The motive negated the action. Some of us, if we're honest, our motives are not pure when we pray. Our motives are selfish. Let's be honest. Oftentimes, I'm praying for the church. And please God to bless the church. But am I really praying for the church? Am I just praying for myself? That my own star would rise. I'm praying for the church, but am I just praying for my own ministry in the church? And what I want. So people would say, oh, wow, he's a great guy. Some people like to pray to win the lottery so they can be very generous with their money. Please, God, give us the lottery so we be very generous with the money. But you got little bit and you ain't giving anything to God now, but all of a sudden be very generous when it comes to the lottery or the best one. Guys, I'm going to call you out again, okay? Because that's a former guy. <laughs> former guy, okay? Single guy, what did I meant to say? <laughs> the beautiful girl in the office who all of a sudden, it's very important that we're praying that she knows the Lord, okay? We really want her to know the Lord and to come to church and especially to become Coptic Orthodox. And we're really praying for that so much. <laughs> Your motives matter to God. So Proverbs 16, verse 2. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Your motives matter to God. Number three. The way you live matters to God. The way you live matters to God. <laughs> There's a reference for today, the great church father. Okay. <laughs> Your motives matter to God. A verse that I give everyone time to read. Okay. 
I work hard on these pictures, so please take some time to read it and appreciate. All right? I could just leave it blank up there and y'all would be bored, but I'm providing multiple levels of entertainment here, so please enjoy. Okay? James 5.16, back to the Bible. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Look, this is important, and let's be clear on this one so we don't get messed up to the left or to the right. Is God playing favorites? I only answer the prayers of the righteous people, and then the non-righteous, I don't answer their prayers. I answer their prayers, not your prayers. The good guys, not the bad guys. Is that what this verse is saying? So many verses talk about God answers the prayers of the righteous. Is that why? Because God plays favorites? God has kids that he likes and kids that he doesn't like? Give you a scenario. You decide you want to become generous. You want to help out someone in need. You got two people. This person over here lost his job, has had six job offers in that time since he's lost his job, but he feels they're all kind of below him. And anytime someone gives him some money, he goes out and spends it on video games. All right, and another job offer, but mm, I think I can do better. And he passes on another job offer and says, please help me. Another one on this side works his tail off, has two jobs, put food on the, on the table for his family. And then he had an accident at work and something happened to his hand and now he can't work and he's in need of a handout. Which of the two are you more likely to give money to? You even gonna think twice? You gonna give one that's, that's righteous and the one that's working hard and the one that's busting his tail. It doesn't mean that you don't love this, but that just means you are a wise investor. And if you see someone is here busting his tail and he just needs a little break, you're gonna give him that break. You see this one is squandering everything that he's given. Why in the world would you give him more? You'd be foolish. I'm not saying God only answers the prayers of people who are righteous. I'm not saying that because we know that God hears everyone's prayers. But what I am saying is that the way you live matters to God. With all of these factors, I said in the beginning, with all of these factors, we're not just going to take one and say, okay, so this is the answer to all prayers. If I'm righteous, then nothing else matters. No. We're not going to say, if I um, have a good relationship, then nothing else matters. No. But what I'm saying is I can't make prayer into a formula of A plus B plus C. I can't. But I can say this, this section right here, this stuff matters. And over there, your relationship, that stuff matters. And the way you walk, selfishly or unselfishly, righteously or unrighteously, if all your desire is on yourself and you waste the stuff on life of sin, that matters in terms of getting your prayers answered. Proverbs 15, 29 says it same way. It says, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Just so we're clear. Being righteous, being good. The Pharisees were righteous, okay? But there's other factors involved. So I'm not saying do A, B, C, and D, and you got your prayers answered. I'm also not saying that if you've been messing up your entire life that you've got no shot of getting your prayer answered. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that the way you live matters. Are we clear? Number four, faith matters. Your faith matters. This one's kind of a tricky one here. So follow me here on this. Your faith matters. James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. 
we all know that you need faith to have your prayers answered. You have to believe. But sometimes, okay, you've asked yourself this question before, like I have. How can I say, I believe God is going to do this? What if it's not God's will? Like, what if it's not God's will that this person is healed? Should I just say, I believe? But what if it's not God's will? And there's some things that are not God's will, right? True or false? Some things are not God's will. True. But some things are God's will. And we don't want to go from one extreme to the other. We don't want to go from the extreme of, we believe God will do anything we ask as long as we believe, to the other extreme of, we believe God will do nothing that we ask if we believe. See what I'm saying? We, we go to extremes. And the one extreme I agree is wrong of, I want a million dollars. So I believe God, I believe, I believe, and I have a million dollars. I agree. That's insane. You've got to factor God's will into the whole equation. But we don't want to go to the other extreme when God promises something and we don't believe. We use God's will as a cop-out. We use God's will as a cop-out not to believe. I agree that you cannot assume that your desires are God's will. But when we talk about faith and prayer, we're not talking about praying for your desires. We're talking about praying for His promises. We're not talking about praying for your desires. We're talking about praying for His promises. And those, you should have the utmost of faith in His promises. So we need to have faith. How's faith work? Faith, 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 faith. Believe, 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 believe. Is that how it works? I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Is that how faith works? That's what we try to do. We try to like, make it work. Yeah. Like faith. You can't manufacture faith. You can't like, that's not how faith is. The good news about faith is this. How much quantity of faith do you need to have, a, to have your prayer answered? Let's say like, I don't know, prayer of like, move a mountain. Hypothetically. Let's say that's your prayer. How much quantity of faith do you need to you know, make a mountain jump from the left to the right? Just a mustard seed. Good thing about God is, God doesn't say you need a lot of faith. God knows we're weak. He says you just need a little bit of faith. But you need a little bit of faith in a big God. Lot of faith, small God, small results. Little faith, big God, big results. Because the key of faith is not how much you have, but in whom you have it. The key to faith is not how much you have, but in whom you put that faith in. And a little bit of faith, the smallest, even the most mustard seed size of faith, put in a big God and a mighty God in His promises, in His word. In, in, in his decrees, which he decided and he declared, and they're forever and ever and ever. A little bit of faith in that works miracles. I love the story in Matthew chapter 9 about two blind men who found Christ on the road. And these two blind men wanted to be healed. So Jesus said to them, he asked them a question. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were open. Now again, I'm reiterated again. He didn't ask them about their relationships. He didn't ask them about their motives. Like, there's not one factor that's more important than the others. But every one of these areas matter. And with them, he said, tell me about your faith. And he went to their faith. And he said, do you believe? According to your faith, let it be to you. I, I, I think these guys, these two blind guys, 
They are a great example. If you don't need tremendous amount of faith, okay, we're not led to believe that in any way these guys were, were, were in the temple praying every day or they were scholars of the Bible or anything like that. But they found Jesus and they said, I believe in you. I trust you. And he said, touch their eyes and let their eyes be open. Your faith matters. Number five, God's will matters. And I, earlier I mentioned it in that, that one side, now I'll mention the other side, that God's will does matter. And we can't negate the fact that God's will matters. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Key, according to His will. Again, earlier, I talked about the one extreme of whatever it is that we want, all right, that well, God will just do whatever. No, all right, we don't want to, to be like that. And there's nothing that says that God will just do whatever it is that you want. And there's so many examples in the Bible of people who asked for something not according to God's will, their relationships were good, they were righteous, pure motives, everything was legit, it just wasn't God's plan. Anything of any examples? Huh? King David trying to build the temple. Okay. One I was thinking of is Moses trying to see the promised land. All right. God said, promised land, promised land, promised land. Moses gets there and God says, you're a good, you're a good guy, Moses. You're the best. No, thank you. You're not going to see the promised land. Come on, God. Um, did everything good. I agree. You're the best. No, thank you. I, I don't like it that way. Another example I think of, if you talk about a righteous man who did everything right, I think of St. Paul. And when St. Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, tells us about when he had what he calls a thorn in the flesh. All right? And we don't know exactly what that thorn in the flesh was, but it was something that made St. Paul, who was the toughest, grittiest guy who ever walked this planet other than Christ. Like, St. Paul was like a cowboy. Right? He was a tough guy. No one messed with that guy. St. Paul was tough. But St. Paul said, man, this thorn in the flesh, man, I can't take it anymore. Look what it says, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8 and 9. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. That word, I pleaded with the Lord, is the same word that one time, excuse me, there was a guy named Jairus right, who came to Christ, whose daughter was dead, sick to the point of death. And the Bible says that he pleaded with the Lord. He pleaded to heal his daughter, pleaded to him. Same word St. Paul uses. Desperate plea. Not like the kind of plea that like you can't resist, like, okay, okay, like I can't. And then with a heart be like, I, I, okay, I can't. And St. Paul pleaded with God, please, God, I beg you, God, I give you anything, God. The same way you would plead for your daughter if she died. Pleaded. And God said, nope, not according to my will. I always say that a sign of maturity is the ability to accept a no for an answer both in life and in the spirit. What makes a child a child is a child can't accept no. 
gimme candy. No. Temper tantrum. Flip out. Stuff gets thrown. Gimme iPad. No. Break through the door to try to steal it. Adults, in theory, we can accept no. In theory. How about spiritually? A sign of spiritual maturity is the ability that you plead with God for something. He says, no thank you. I got better for you. He didn't just say no and leave him. He said, I got better. I got my grace. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's a sign of spiritual maturity. And a lot of us haven't reached that stage. A lot of us pray, pray, pray. God says, no. And we throw a temper tantrum. Throw stuff at the wall. Try to break out and, and break into the room and steal it ourselves. Immature people can't take a no. But as a parent, and any of you who are parents, when you have kids, if you don't, even if you don't have parents, when you do have kids, we well, don't have kids. No, you don't have parents. Okay, y'all got parents. Even if you don't got kids, do you plan to have children and give them every single thing in the world that they ask for? Is anyone's parenting strategy that, that no matter what they ask for, you're going to give it to them? Oh, not even an idiot would do that, raise his kids that way. So why do we expect God would give us everything that we ask for? Here's my question for you today, and I want to be very personal, and I want you to think very personally. What are you praying for that God is saying no to? What are you praying for that God is saying no to you? Some of you are praying for healing. Some of you are praying for a job. Some of you are praying for a relationship to be healed. Some of you are praying for a relationship to go away. What are you praying for today that God is, hasn't given you a yes for? Whenever there's a problem and you don't have an answer from God, first step, examine yourself. Specifically those four areas. Examine your relationships. Are you a jerk to your wife or your husband? Are you a bitter, resentful, grudging person? Are you an unkind, not nice guy? Examine your relationships, because they matter. Two, examine your motives. Why are you really praying so hard for this? Is it really for, as I say, God for your glory? Or is it for my glory, but I just want to put your glory as the title of it? Three, examine the way you walk and the way you live. Are you a righteous, upright person? Does your, in, are you a person of integrity, where who you are behind closed doors matches who you are in public? Then examine your faith. Do you believe? Or are you just throwing a, a, a dart in the dark? You get to the end of those four, and you examined yourself, and you checked yourself, and you found yourself clean. You go to number five, and you say, Lord, I trust you. Your will be done. Anyone know anyone whose relationships were perfect? Perfect. Most loving person. Whose motives were purer than snow. Who walked righteously according to the law and even above the law. He did the law of God, not just the law of man. And of course, faith, non-issue for him. And then he struggled with a situation that was so painful that it made him plead with God and pray to God and even sweat blood to try to get out of it. And he prayed the ultimate prayer of spiritual maturity. Lord, Luke 22, verse 42, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Not what I want, 
chew on. You know what that is? You know what that is? That's someone who has a deep relationship with the Father through prayer. That's someone who has a deep relationship with the Father through prayer. And that's what we're trying to get to. Prayer is not a vending machine. Insert bill here, get prayer here. It's not. It's not a formula. It's not a, a Aladdin genie thing. Okay? It's not. It's not any of those things. It's not bargaining and negotiating. Okay, God, I'll give you this, you give me this. It's not bribery. Okay? It's, not, it's none of that stuff. Prayer is a conversation with the Father. And it's a conversation where we make our requests known to God. And like we said last week, you ask anything. Anything. Ask anything. Listen, because he may come back on you and say, this is why I'm not answering your prayer. Or that's why I'm not answering your prayer. Keep listening, because he may get to the point where he finally just says to you, I'm not going to answer this prayer for you. The answer is no. Again, when I say not answer, I don't mean he's not going to, I mean he's going to give you a no. That's what I mean. We have very limited perspective in life. Very limited perspective. Okay, we see very small. We see just right now. Just my limited perspective. God sees big. So sometimes God in his big perspective says, I know that you want this and I know that you desire this and I know this is the best thing for you in your mind. But no. Because I got a bigger perspective. Because I see the big picture. Because I see yesterday, today, and forever in one shot. You know the example I always give? I'll give you a visual right here. This is my business card. Okay? This is my business card. It's very nice. Okay? has my name on it. Father Anthony Messer. Right there. Okay? So the first letter in the Father is the F. The last letter in the Messer is the H. Okay? So you see the F. I know you're too far away, but you can picture it with me. The F is here, and then the H is here. You can look at this business card, and you don't need to go, Father Anthony Mess. You can see the beginning letter and the second letter, or in the last letter at the same time. You don't need to go like this to see it. Easy? Okay. Us living in this world today, we're living in one of these letters. Okay? And all we see is a little letter. God sees your whole life, not even your whole life, everyone's here your whole life, like this business card. And he sees, right there's where you're living right now, there's George Washington, there's Napoleon, you know, there's, um, you know, uh, Michael Jordan, you know, <laughs> there is my great, 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 great grandson right there. You see him? God can see it all. The same way you look at my business card, you see it all in one shot, you can see it. Or maybe up on the screen, better than this little example. Okay? You see all the letters without turning your head. That's the way God sees it all. And God knows that because that's coming down the road, this is actually what's best for you. Our problem is we only see this limited little perspective. So we say, God, and please, and act. And God says, no. The ultimate conversation isn't about getting answers to prayers. The ultimate conversation is about getting intimacy with God. Prayer is not about getting stuff. Prayer is not about a trip to the mall with an all-expense-paid trip. Prayer is about intimacy with the Father. That's why I'm saying it's conversating with God. 
It's a back and forth. It's a relationship. And if you are trying to get stuff from prayer outside the context of a relationship with God, which involves your relationship with others, involves your motives, involves your faith, involves the way you obey. If you're trying to just get stuff from God outside of that context, man, good luck to you. Just go ahead and beat your head against the wall. Because you have better luck getting something out of that wall than you got out of getting God. Prayer is, as I said in the liturgy, prayer is supposed to be that my time with God, conversating with God, that the one who, like I said, wants to guide me, wants to encourage me, wants to pick me up, wants to like say, watch out. Who wants to say like, hey, don't, don't, don't do that. Who wants to sometimes, like I said, rebuke and discipline, but always rebuke and discipline with the hope to encourage and support and strengthen. That's what prayer is. And we got to get out of our mind that prayer is structured to do something to get something. Get out of your mind. That's not the way God defined prayer. Yes, like I said, next week I'm going to talk about consistency in prayer and a prayer routine and all that kind of stuff because that's important. But that's important as a means to an end, not as an end in and of itself. And our problem is we make the means the end. And that's why I'm so, I'm being so outside of the structure because I want you to see that prayer is so much more. Why do you pray? To get stuff or to be close to the Father? In the beginning I told you about a time when I prayed. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and I was doing everything right. And I told you how God didn't answer my prayer. Or God did answer it with a no. And I'm telling you, I'll tell you right now and I'll say it for the rest of my life. best thing that ever happened to me was that God did not answer that prayer. The best thing that ever happened to me was that God did not answer that prayer. Because who I am today is shaped in so many ways by that period in my life. And my ability to have intimacy with God through prayer. I learned how to pray then. That's what I'm trying to say. That's when I learned how to pray. That's when I learned how to have a relationship with God. That's when I learned what, 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 how God works. And, and I want to say, like, you grow, you're always growing in your spiritual life. But there's certain times in life you take leaps and bounds. There's certain events, experiences, seasons in life where you grow leaps and bounds. And then there's steady and then leaps and bounds. That was a leap and bound for me. And if you would ask me today, go back in time, would you change anything? I would say absolutely not in a million years. You'd say, but that was a tough time. I'd say it was the worst time, but it was so worth it. And I wouldn't change a thing. Because the good that came out of the bad is so, the good that came out of it is so much greater than the bad at the time. Prayer is a conversation with the one who is in heaven. And what God wants is for us to use prayer not as a means to an end. I'm sorry, not as, uh, um, as getting stuff, as a means to getting stuff from Him, but as a means to building and developing our intimacy with Him. question I leave you all with as you think about prayer for this week. What matters to you? Answers? Or relationship? What matters to you? Getting stuff or getting intimacy with God? Let's stand up for a prayer, please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for your message that you gave us today. And we thank you for always being there for us. Lord, we ignore you so many times throughout our day, but you're always there for us. Always there to, to lend your ear to our prayers when we pray to you in faith and we pray w with sincerity of heart and honesty. Lord, 
give us like a, a new vision of what prayer is supposed to be. Erase the old way of prayer and the routine way of prayer. Erase that, 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 that dry way and that like stale way of prayer. And teach us, Lord, how to have life-giving prayer. The same way you prayed, Lord, and you taught us to pray. Give us to, to have that like fiery kind of prayer and that constant conversation with you through whatever, whatever means or whatever comes across our way, Lord. Give us to always be lifting up our hearts to you and reminding ourselves about your presence with us. I pray, Lord, you would teach us how to become people of prayer, would become like a church of prayer, and that that's what we'd be known for, Lord, more than anything else, is, is a place where people can come on Sundays and, and experience true prayer, true intimacy with you more than anything else. We love you so much, Lord, and we thank you for always being there to answer our prayers. And we really pray that this series wouldn't just kind of come and go and our prayer lives would remain stale, but that really you'd do like a revival in our prayer lives. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.